preaching, I plan for months ahead. I do that for two reasons. First, so they'll know the general direction I'm heading. They'll know the scriptures I'm going to be using and so forth. It'll help them, but also to kind of help me stand back and look at where I think God is um, leading me. But there are some times, and I can count on one hand and have some fingers left over, the number of times that happens in a two or three year span. But there are some times when God intervenes And though it happens very rarely, I recognize it. I recognize it because my spirit is unsettled. I know the general direction the sermon is supposed to go, but my my, my spirit can't get at peace about it. I've learned to recognize over the years when I'm going in a direction God doesn't want me going in because he will get my attention if I'll at least pay attention to him. That's the case for today. I invite you to take notes if you wish to do that, but the sermon title is different and the scripture is different and the points are different, so other than that, it's all the same. (laughs) Our scripture for today comes from the book of Proverbs. You know, there's there's Psalms and then there's Proverbs. There's a ton of 150 Psalms, and then we move into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, small sayings of wisdom. That's what the book of Proverbs is, small, pithy sayings of wisdom We come today to the third chapter of the book of Proverbs. My friends, we're going to share together now the Word of God. This is life and this is food for our spirit. It helps us guide our lives. And in honor of its reading and hearing, will you please stand as we share this time together. From Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. These are words that ought to be quite familiar to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you now for your word. And Lord, we don't know what it is you want to do, but we we want to be obedient to you. We thank you, dear God, that when we gather here, you're already here. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving among us, even this very second. And we just ask you, dear God, to help us to open our hearts to you and to pay close attention to what your Spirit is saying to each of us individually and to us collectively. So, God, we just ask you now to be very, very present to us. We trust you with all our heart, and we pray for you to direct our paths in Jesus' name. And all of his people said, amen. You may be seated. You know, life is a series of choices. We make choices and our choices make us. That's generally how it works. Life is a series of choices. We make choices. They make us. We become, you and I, we become the product of our choices. We make our decisions. And if we make wise decisions, if we make good decisions, those almost always lead us to a good place. 
But if we make bad decisions, if we make poor decisions, it probably won't lead us to a good place. We make choices, and our choices make us. Keep that in your head today. And every choice has a consequence. You know, consequences are consequences. We normally think it's a, of it as a negative thing, but every choice has a consequence, some kind of response to it. And the potential for error in our choices can be great because we're human beings. And sometimes we, don't, we think we're making the right choice. We don't make the right choice, but it is what it is. Perhaps some of you are here today wrestling with some kind of difficult decision in your life. Do I hold on or do I let go? Do I keep doing what I'm doing or do I try something else? Will it be better for me to do this or will it be better for me to do that? And how many of us realize it's not always black and white? There are so many, many people who are constantly living with one foot in the world of this thing and the other foot in the world of that thing, and they're not sure which thing to move toward. And that, the reality of that causes us a lot of anxiety. When we've got one foot in this world and one foot in that world, that can cause us a lot of anxiety. And the Bible says... In the book of James, chapter 2, I believe it is, in the book of James, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Powerful statement. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And it's interesting that the word unstable in Greek means staggering like a drunk. If you take that word and you translate it into the, into the Greek uh, language, it is staggering like a, a drunk. That, that's literally what it means when you're pulled in different directions by a decision because you can't figure out which way to go. It causes you to vacillate back and forth. You see the image? It causes you to go back and forth. And there are lots of times after we've made a decision, we start second-guessing ourselves. You ever done that? Second-guess yourselves, did I make the right choice? What if, I, what if I had done this, and what if I had done that? Should I have done this thing? Or, and that just kind of prolongs the tug of war. So what's the answer? <clears throat> if it's true that our choices make us, we make them, they make us. If that's true, then how do we make <clears throat> the best choice? Well, as Christians... Not true for everybody, and I get that. But as Christians, we believe that the best choices come when God is guiding our lives. Hang on to that as well. The Bible makes it clear <clears throat> that life is a journey. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that we are on a journey. This world is not our home, right? This world is not our home. We're on a journey and God has given us a roadmap, and we call that the Bible. The Bible is God's roadmap, and God has given us a compass. We call that our conscience. And God has given us a guide. We call that the Holy Spirit. 
So for a few minutes this morning, on, on this Father's Day, and I recognize the big thing today is, but on this day, I want to be very practical with you, and I want to seek to answer one question, one question only for today. And that is, how do we let God lead our lives? I think I can safely assume that as Christians, we want God leading. I think I can safely assume that, that we want God to guide and order our lives. I, I talk to people all the time who say, I just want to be in the center of God's will. I just want to be in the center of God's will. Whatever it takes for me to be in the center of God's will. And what they don't recognize is that you really can't know God's will unless you've made the decision to let him lead your life. That's a big statement. You really, really can't know or have any sense of certainty or peace about what God's will is for your life until you've made the decision to let him lead your life. Now, I am a very simple thinker. You have to sort of spell things out in a simple way for me. So I want to talk for a little while this morning about some things <clears throat> that I think we need to start doing in order to have God lead our lives better. Because there are all kinds of voices in the culture today that say, follow me. Follow me, and I'll show you the right way. Follow me. This is the right way. This is the best way. There are lots of voices out there that, that are doing that. So what I want to do is I just want to offer up some things that I think we may need to start in order to have God lead our lives and some things that we might want to stop so that God can lead our lives. How is it because this life can be crazy. How is it that we get God's guidance in our lives? So that's what I want to seek to answer for a little bit. Here's the first thing I want to lift up. If we want to be led by God, we can't follow a culture that isn't led by God. That sounds really simple, I know. If we can't, you and I can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God if we want to be led by God. And this means that you and I have to take personal inventory occasionally of our lives. And we have to tell the truth about the things that are keeping us from following God because you know what they are and God knows what they are. It's not important that I know what they are. But you and I need to occasionally do a checkup from the neck up. You and I occasionally need to look at our lives and ask, what is it that's keeping me from doing what God wants me to do? And we have some choices we have to make about what's going to influence us. Because remember, we make choices and our choices make us. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 2, it says, Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. That's the New Living Translation. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Now, that's, that's an important verse today because the whole idea seems to be if everybody's doing it, it must be okay. 
If everybody's doing it, then it must be just fine. If it's legal, then it must be moral, right? Just because something is legal doesn't mean it's right. No, you, you can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God if you want God to lead and direct your life. So what that means is occasionally you need to do some personal inventory work. God already knows, but you've heard me say once or twice, you can't, God won't correct what you won't confront. You have to do some personal inventory work in your life Get alone with God and ask the hard questions and be willing to listen carefully about what he wants to say to you. One of the most quoted verses in the Bible is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You've heard it, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal. You've heard that, right? Don't copy. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. It says, do not copy the behavior or values of this world. Instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. Then you will know that God's desire for you is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, I will never know what God's will for my life is if I choose to follow a culture that isn't following God. It does not take a rocket scientist. It does not take a brain surgeon, whatever image you want to use. It doesn't take it to realize that the culture is counter to the Christian life. That's just the truth. The culture that we live in is counter to that. But if following the culture is the most important thing to you, it'll be hard to follow God. Because the culture is about fads. What, what's in today is going to be out tomorrow. What's good today isn't going to be in vogue tomorrow. So that's the first thing I want you to hear this morning. If you and I want to follow God, then we cannot, cannot, cannot be led by a culture that doesn't follow God. So again... Lots and lots of people live with one foot in this world and one foot in this world. And there come those intersection moments, those moments when you have to make a decision. And I just happen to be one voice today saying, you need to make a decision. You cannot follow God if culture is your guiding light. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing I want to mention, and it's a little bit more personal, okay? If we want to follow God, we cannot follow friends who aren't led by God. Now, I'm going to go down in the weeds a little, and I just ask you to go down there with me for a few minutes. If you and I want to follow God, we can't follow friends who aren't led by God. If your friends... 
If my friends are going in a different direction than God's going, and you sense that in your conscience, God's trying to get your attention. If your friends are going in a different direction, you have a decision to make. Am I going to go the direction of my friends, or am I going to go the direction I know God wants me to go? Because it's one thing to say, I'm going to be countercultural. I'm going to be all in it for God. It's one thing to say, I'm going to be countercultural, but it's another thing altogether to say, I'm not going to let my friends have the steering wheel of my life. You got to stop letting your friends set the agenda. You got to be careful about that. One of the reasons we don't hear God's will very often, I've discovered one of the reasons we don't hear God's will very often for our lives is that we're hearing everybody else's will. We're hearing everybody else's desire. We're hearing everybody else's suggestion. Let's go do this. Let's do that. Let's, let's go there. Let's, let's do this thing. So my question to you is, Are you listening to too many voices? Now, please hear this. Please hear this. God will not compete with your friends' voices. Their voices will either confirm God's will in your life or it'll confuse God's will in your life but God will not get into a shouting match for your attention. What does the Bible tells us? tell us? The Bible says in Psalm 46.10, Be still. What? You know it, right? Be still and know that I am God. Have you observed that we have trouble being still? God will not get into a shouting match for your attention. Now, why am I making such a big deal out of this? Because one of the things that causes people to miss God's plan, one of the things that causes God to miss God's per- causes people to miss God's purpose is peer pressure. Now, we hear a lot about peer pressure when kids are in school. We know that that's a real deal. But do you realize that peer pressure also happens with adults? It happens at work. It happens in our social circles. It happens in our friendships. In our friendships, let me ask you something very, very personal. Who are the people in your life that you know are causing you not to flourish? Who are the people in your life who are causing you not to flourish? And guess what? You know who they are. You may not be willing to admit it, but you know who they are. And if you don't handle, if I don't handle, if we don't handle the distractions, the distractions will ultimately lead to our destruction. So I'm going to ask the question again. Who are the people in your life? Who are the voices in your life? Who are, the pres- who, who are those folks that are causing you not to flourish? 
I am not asking you, don't hear me saying, I am not saying that you need to suddenly start kicking people out of your life. I'm not saying that. I'm not asking you to simply associate, stop associating with people. I'm asking you to be wise. I'm asking you to ask the hard question of who are the influences in your life who are helping steer or having an input in steering your life. I had an elderly friend who used to say it in a different way. He said, remember, you can't soar with the eagles if you're always running with the turkeys. (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. You got to choose your friends carefully. My mom had a great line. She said, said, son, if you lay down with dogs, you're going to wake up with fleas. Be careful who you hang out with. Be careful who you associate with. You make choices. And your choices will make you ultimately. So if you're going to follow God, if if I'm going to follow God, if we're going to truly, truly, truly follow God and we we want to be led by His, His Word, and we say this is true... If, if we want to be led by God's word, we cannot let the culture set the agenda for us. And you cannot let your friends, I cannot let my friends get me off track. Now let me take a second here, and, and I want to clear something up because this is, this is getting into territory that can get confusing. This might sound like I'm asking you not to associate with unbelievers. This might sound like I'm asking you to isolate yourself from people. Nothing could be further from the truth. I want to be clear about this. When the Bible talks about the world, do not be conformed to the world. When the Bible talks about the world, it uses that term in two clearly different ways. The Bible can use the world in terms of the people of the world, for God so loved the world. And the Bible can use the term the world to mean the value system of the world. So please hear those two differences. When the Bible talks about the world, so... If the question's going through your mind, well, Jesus said, God loved the world. I'm supposed to love people in it. You can love people without loving their value system. You can love people without licensing, giving the okay, I'm good with everything you do. So if we're going to follow God, we've got to be careful about the whole thing with the culture because if you you haven't noticed it, again, the culture is seeking to define you and seeking to draw you in. And I, I don't need to go any further than that. But you also have to be aware that your friends can get you off track.
Here's the last thing I want to say about this, and I think this might be the most important. If you and I want to follow God, and we can talk a good game till the cows come home. We can do that. I know we can. But if you and I truly want to follow God, we cannot look to other sources for our answers. If I'm looking for the, for the direction my life needs to go, the best place is not Facebook. If I'm looking for the direction I think God wants to take me, the best place is not Twitter or Instagram or horoscopes. If I want God's guidance for my life, I don't need to be looking at the latest advice columns. No, the best place, the best place it seems to me to look is the owner's manual. The owner's manual. This book says that, this, that our God created us, and this book says that, this, that God will show us the right way to go. Now, does this book go into every single detail of life? No, it doesn't. But it does give us guiding principles. I've actually met people, and I actually know people, who pray to God and read the horoscopes. And I get that. I understand that. I've met people who pray to God and regularly visit the palm readers and the fortune tellers. I think maybe the reason God was bugging me all about this this week is because we are at a point in our lives where we have to make a decision about where we're going to be anchored. What are we going to anchor ourselves in? Now, I was raised in the old-fashioned Methodist church, and I've told you before that we used the Cokesbury hymnal on Sunday nights, and we'd sing and do all those kinds of things, and I would know those, I know those old hymns, like number 62 in the Cokesbury hymnal is Trust and Obey. And number 43 in the Cokesbury hymnal is Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. And number 65 in the Cokesbury hymnal is Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And my friends and I used to say, Blessed Insurance, Jesus is Mine. We would do anything we could just to kind of run the time by. But inevitably, some soul someone who, who was mature in the faith, someone who had loved God for a long time during the hymn-picking time, the time you could pick the hymns, someone raised their hand and say, let's sing My Hope is Built. And I'd be dadgum. We used to sing that all the time. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know how this hymn goes? I am not going to sing it for you. 
And for that, you'll be grateful. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is what? Guess what? The world is filled with other ground. It just is. I told you when I started this today that I did not, I wasn't crazy about doing this. But I just want to remind us, I think I have a responsibility to remind us that in the world in which we're living right now, In the world in which we're living right now, we had better anchor down. We had better anchor down because there will come storms and there will come difficulties and there will come things that will hit us from out of nowhere. Anybody in here ever been hit by something from out of nowhere? You're just going along with life. Life was doing fine and suddenly something will hit you. That ever happened to any of you? When that stuff happens, not if it's going to happen, when it happens, you better doggone sure be anchored down in the rock of ages. Because if you're not, it will take your feet out from under you and you will be blowing this way and that way. And maybe somewhere along the way, somewhere, you'll remember that some preacher somewhere said, make a decision about where you're anchored down because it will come. My friends, today we're going to close our worship the way we always close our worship, and that is by having a time of prayer at the altar. I don't think I need to issue a big long invitation about this because I think you get what I'm talking about. I want to invite you to come or to stay where you are seated and pray. I want to invite you to make the decision today that come what may, I will stand on the solid rock. I will stand on the solid rock. I have three sons. And before I had children in my life, I knew everything about how to raise them. When children came into my life, I realized I knew nothing. I'd go to restaurants. Faith and I would go to restaurants. I'd go to restaurants and I'd say, if that was my child, I'm sure you've never done that, but I did that. That crying baby, I can't believe her. But I will tell you as a dad, time has taught me that what our kids, what my kid, what my sons need the most is not to hear a sermon. Believe me, I can bore my kids to death. What my sons need 
is to see a sermon. They need to see it. So I want to invite you today for your children, for your grandchildren, for your family to make the decision to anchor down in the rock of ages. And guess what? When you do, the people around you will see your sermon. You won't have to say a word. They will know where you're anchored. But guys, I'm going to ask you all to come on out and lead us as we close our worship. It always scares me when I turn around and there's nobody there. <laughs> but I'm just going to invite you to come and kneel and pray. I'm going to pray for you as well. I want to ask you to pray for me. Pray for all the dads and granddads. But pray for yourself that today you're going to become very, very deliberate about the voices you listen to and the places where you put down anchor because the storm will come. So at this time, I'm going to invite us to have a time of prayer at the altar. You're welcome to come.